Luke chapter 11. Open your Bibles to Luke chapter 11. It'll be on the screen in just a moment. How many have been with us for the first two parts of the Lord's Prayer? I've been here for that. Um, I've taught both of them. So how many were here last week at the commissioning with Dr. Larry Titus? Wasn't that incredible? Man, I, I was in the front row a little scared. And I'm like, man, he's, he's bringing it real right now. Some people may get offended, but that's okay. And uh, what an honor to have him. I text him this morning. I said, miss you, Dad. I call him Dad. He's one of my spiritual fathers. And, uh, man, he's just an incredible, incredible mentor and father. And uh, someone who's very dearly connected to us from his heart. He messaged me and he said, I feel a responsibility from God to, uh, to do what God, uh, to help you and your church do what you've been called to do. Isn't that awesome? Amen. So uh, we're thankful for uh, that last week, what happened, and, and it's just such an, an awesome honor to have him. Uh, but this morning, we're going to do part three of, uh, of the Lord's Prayer. So if you've been with us for the first two, I'm going to quickly recap in just a moment. But let's read from Luke chapter 11, um, the Lord's Prayer, the way that Luke lays it out. Now, I did share this, but briefly, let me share it with you. Matthew's is more the common liturgical community known prayer. So if you were raised Catholic or if you were raised in a denomination where the Lord's Prayer was something that was a part of every Sunday, um, how many of you were? Raise your hand. It's something. Then this version of the Lord's Prayer is probably not the one you've memorized. But that's okay because sometimes we become so familiar with things that we don't value them anymore. How many can say Amen. Uh, along with people, along with things in our life, along with, uh, you know, things that we have. Sometimes we get familiar and contempt enters our heart towards something. And it, the same thing happens in prayer. Sometimes we get so repetitious with prayer. We even, guess what? We have our own repetitions in prayer. It, you know, you know what, you know what they are, right? It's like Father God, Lord God, Father God, Lord, Lord. You know, we have like these, how many know what I'm talking about? If you pray like that, that's okay. But we, we have, sometimes we have to unlearn these repetitions. And sometimes the Lord's Prayer is that way. So Luke's version is more of a simple version of most likely when Jesus was speaking it in Aramaic. Aramaic is uh, what the language that Jesus spoke and taught in, um, which is very similar to Hebrew. But it was written down in Greek. So we have to look even at the Aramaic underlying text of what Jesus said. And so that's what we're going to do. And we've been teaching on this. So let's read Luke 11, starting at verse 1. Are you ready? Let's put it up there and let's read it together. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. Verse 2. He said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Verse 3. Give us each day our daily bread. That's my son back there, so I can say that. Okay, we're supposed to have all of it on there. I'm going to just keep reading it. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. You guys notice a difference from Matthew chapter 6? You notice a difference? Okay. So we're going to look at, now remember what we looked at so far. We looked at the first, Father, hallowed be your name. Let's go ahead and pull that up real quick, the recap. Let me briefly just talk about this. 
and so you can get it in. Remember, Father, now Jesus revolutionized prayer. How many can say amen? Not only did he teach us to pray, to talk to God uh, like, you know, like a friend, like someone that you can approach because we now have access to God. The Bible says we have access by one spirit to the Father. But the word he probably used in Aramaic is Abba. We see it in, in Paul's writings, in Galatians 4, 6, and in Romans 8, 13, that the word Abba is the Aramaic word that means daddy. Jesus taught us to talk to the creator of the universe with the word that is an affectionate yet reverent form of saying daddy. So you can talk to God that way. Say amen. You can talk. That means dear father, Abba father, daddy. That's a word where you can cuddle up and you can sit in daddy's lap. And yet there's still a reverence because he is the creator of everything. Amen. So we looked at that. We discussed that. Then number two, we looked at hallowed be your name. That, that's kind of a, an interesting statement because sometimes I think we think that God needs to like, needs us to pray that his name stays holy, like almost like, and we have this way of thinking sometimes. I don't, I don't know about you, but I have where we have to protect God's nature or he almost has this wall of protection that, you know, he, he matter of fact, it says in, uh, in one of the old Testament minor prophets, God cannot look upon sin. And it's often misquoted. How many know what I'm talking about? And there's a teaching like, well, God can't look upon sin. Well, if you read the next verse, the prophet says, then why do you Lord? If G, if God can't look upon sin and Jesus is our perfect revelation of God, then why did Jesus hang out with sinners? He looked at them. What do you think Jesus like went like this? Hey guys, I'm going to sit down with you, but I can't look on you because I'm God in the flesh and I can't look upon sin. I know you read the old Testament he didn't do that because he didn't misread the old Testament like modern day Christians do. So hallowed be your name is not protect your nature. God doesn't need his nature protected. He's love and light and truth. And wherever he goes, he touches and releases who he is. You see, in an old covenant paradigm, if a sheep or a lamb touched something unclean like a leper, it would be unclean. In the New Testament, the lamb of God would touch lepers and they would be clean. It's a reverse paradigm. So hallowed be your name doesn't mean what we may have been taught or think it means. What it means is reveal who you are. Reveal your distinctiveness. In Jesus' time, just like today, there's a lot of confusion about what God looks like. We have our own vain imaginations of deities. There's a lot of uh, people that think God is like, looks a lot like Zeus and he's got a lightning bolt in his hand. Come on, somebody, you know what I'm talking about. Now, when we don't like someone, we want God to look like that, right? But Jesus was saying, reveal your distinctiveness because you're nothing like the gods of our imaginations. Oh, that's, that's a good place to say amen right there. I need you. I need, I need some love here. Come on, somebody. So we looked at that. How would be your name? Reveal. So Abba, Father, Papa, God, reveal who you really are. Eugene Peterson wrote the Message Bible. I think he brilliantly translated, hallowed be your name, as reveal who you are. Reveal your uniqueness. When we talk about the holiness of God, it's not so much the transcendence, but the beauty and the uniqueness of God's nature, the beauty of his nature revealed in Jesus. Amen? Okay, now today we're going to look at your kingdom come. Say it with me. Your kingdom come. That's the subject for today. Are you ready? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. 
I pray right now that you would touch every heart and every mind and you would reveal to us what your kingdom coming looks like. And we thank you for that now. Holy Spirit, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Give God one big shout of praise, would you? Come on, somebody. Now, I want to I read a verse in, uh, in Luke 17 real quick. Let's pull that verse up. David, if you'd pull that up, please. Luke chapter 17. There's two verses I want to read to you. You ready? Once being asked by the Pharisees, when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus replied, the coming of the kingdom of God is not something that can be observed. Verse 21. Nor will people say, here it is, or there it is, because the kingdom of God is in your midst. Amen. Today, I want to talk to you about the subject of it's not what you think. Sometimes things are not as they appear. How many know what I'm talking about? Jesus said it in John chapter 7, don't judge according to appearance, but judge with righteous judgment. Sometimes we judge according to appearance, and sometimes we have preconceived ideas of what the kingdom of God looks like. We're going to talk about what the kingdom, when Jesus said, pray your kingdom come, pray the glorious will of the reign of God coming. Kingdom is probably not the best translation, but it's the reign of God, God's rule, God's domain of rulership. When God is moving on a people, what does it look like when God's kingdom is present? Now, Jesus is answering a question by a people, the Pharisees, that believed the kingdom of God was going to come in in different ways. And we'll talk about that in just a moment. But I want to share with you, things are not what they seem to be sometimes. I'm going to tell you a story about a young man I met, uh, a handsome young man, yet an intimidating young man, and who's now my spiritual son. His name is Laris Slayton. How many of you know Laris? Now, when I first met Laris, to be honest, I didn't know what to think of him. I looked at him. I said, oh, nice. He's a young man. He's coming to church. And but he looked kind of hardcore. I, I don't know. He just, he kind of looked like Ice Cube when I first saw him. And you weren't supposed to put that up yet. My son doesn't follow instructions. Leave it up. Leave it up. Leave it up. He kind of looked like Ice Cube, but this is kind of how I imagined him the first time I saw him. Like, I'm like, he does, he can do that look too. Have him do it at the end of service. But how many of you know that's really not who Laris is? He ain't gangster. I think I'm more gangster than he is. I found out that, matter of fact, let me tell you that real quick before we move on. The, the story of when I first came to church, when I first got saved, I was like a mixture between skater, stoner, gangster, all combined into one young teenager. Right? Long hair, multicolored outfits, ripped pants, gangster Nikes with my skateboard. I, and I walked into church, long hair. I had long hair. And I I remember walking into church and people, Pentecostal type church, wearing suits and stuff. And they're just like, people didn't talk to me. Isn't that interesting? When I'm the one, I'm the misfit that are supposed to be reached by the church. And I remember walking in this one small church and I was hungry for God. Literally, I I was baptized in the Holy Ghost. I was hungry for God. I loved to worship. I went to this little Pentecostal church. I don't even think one person talked to me. And I was just hungry and I was going to churches that weren't having church when my church had church because I want to go to church every night of the week. Come on, somebody. I was on fire, literally Monday night, Bible study, Tuesday night, somewhere, Wednesday night, midweek, Thursday night, somewhere, Friday night, Bible study. And then if there was a Saturday night service, I'm there. Sunday morning, I'm there. Sunday night, if we don't have it, I'm going to find it. 
That's how I lived my life. I was hungry. And I'd walk into church, long hair, skater, gangster, stoner dude. That's what I look like. And then worship started. And I'm jumping up and down and praising God. And the altar call, it didn't matter what the altar call was. I'm down at the front getting slain in the spirit, crying. Things are not what they seem. I don't look like the guy that's going to end up getting wrecked by the Holy Spirit or encountering the Lord or worshiping the Lord. How many know what I'm talking about? Well, the same thing with Laris. I thought he was some hardcore gangster, but he wasn't. He was a little puppy dog. Matter of fact, let's show the next picture. This is, this is really who he is. That's Laris getting a pedicure. He gets pedicures. Actually, I made them. I said, bro, they're awesome. Come on, let's go. Get, and I, I said, I'm taking a picture. <laughs> he had no idea I was going to use it. No, he did. I asked him. But when I took it in the moment, I don't think he knew I was going to do it on a Sunday morning. This is Laris. Let me show another picture of him. This is who he really is. There he is with little Layla. How many know Laris's heart? Come on, somebody. He might look a little like Ice Cube, but he's as gentle as a dove. Come on, somebody. And smooth, Daddy, too. Come on, somebody. Show the next one. This is who he really is. Oh, isn't that incredible? That's my beautiful daughter. I can't even look at Laris's face because my daughter's so cute. But then I look down at Laris's face. I'm, oh, he's handsome. That's down at Lake Las Vegas. But that's who he really is. Things are not always as they seem. Sometimes we have preconceived ideas about people, about situations, even about our idea of the kingdom, about God's reign, especially as American Christians, especially with our Western worldview and how we think that God's reign is rulership, is some sort of, uh, is some sort of reign that comes with coercion or control. How many here know God's kingdom is not coercion or uh, done with control or rulership in that sense? And Jesus even talked about it like, no, you're not going to rule like the Gentiles rule. One time I was at Lakewood Cove Apartments and we're doing an outreach and this young man walked up And I saw this hard, gangster-looking guy, gangster limp and all. And I remember as first first thing I thought of is I'm like, man, this dude is just, he thinks he's going to roll in here and mess up our outreach. And then the Holy Spirit spoke to me. He said, no, he was, he's just a hurting little boy. Like, he's just acting tough. He, He had to, he was forced to be tough in circumstances. And I got God's heart for him. Things are not as they always appear. Can I hear you say amen? The same thing with the kingdom of God. Now, when Jesus in Luke 17 is talking to the Pharisees, they're asking him, what does the kingdom of God look like? The point was this. It's not coming the way you think it's going to come. And it's not about a place. It's about how the kingdom of God comes. It's not about a place. And it's interesting, if you really look at the historical context, the Pharisees thought the kingdom would come by enforcing God's law And then somehow God would be pleased enough to give them victory over the Roman Empire. Or then you had other people that were zealots that thought the kingdom was... Sounds familiar, doesn't it? It sounds like the kingdom... The zealots thought the kingdom of God was going to come through sword. Like, in other words, through holy violence or some sort of righteous violence that God would find them faithful and they would somehow gain victory. Even though they're just a remnant, they'd gain victory over the Roman Empire. And Jesus is saying, no, it's not observable the way you think. It's not going to come the way you think with the way you see things. 
Now, we're going to talk about this. What is the kingdom of God? What, what is the kingdom of God? If it's not about a place, it's about how, then what does God's reign look like? If God doesn't reign like our kings and our, uh, our governments today, by the way, I, I don't believe the kingdom of God comes through a nation in particular. It comes through the church, through the people of God. Can I hear you say amen? And sometimes as Americans, we get that twisted and we mix up our culture with the culture of the kingdom, with God's reign and what it really looks like. And I think this is a perfect example in Luke 17 where Jesus is saying, no, it it doesn't come that way. So let's remove the lenses of our preconceived ideas of what we think the kingdom is because sometimes things are not as what they really uh, appear to be. And sometimes we think uh, that the kingdom comes in the same way that, that maybe... You know, that we're used to rulership or leadership or domineering authority. Matter of fact, if you research the King James Bible and the translations, there was guidelines that they had to follow to where it was biased towards the way kings ruled in authority. In Hebrews 13, and they actually changed some of the original and they were biased towards that type of rulership because they wanted that type of rulership to stay. He was trying to unify the, the country at that time. Now, I want to encourage you that the kingdom of God is much better than you think. It's, it's, always, it's always about, uh, let me say this, it's always about the heart of the king. See, if you want to understand, if you're taking notes, you need to write this down. If you want to understand the kingdom of God, you've got to understand the heart of the king. So many times we want the kingdom and the benefits of the kingdom, but not the presence and the heart of the king. But it's the presence in the heart of the king that manifest or reveal the kingdom of God. I want to look at a verse here in Isaiah chapter 16. This is so powerful. Isaiah chapter 16. This is what the kingdom looks like. Are you ready? Isaiah 16, 5, the message. A new government of love will be established in the venerable Davidic tradition. Now know this, that the the covenant God made with David was fulfilled in Jesus. Do you know that it was the message that Peter preached in Acts chapter 2? He didn't preach about heaven and hell. He preached about Jesus reigning on a throne. Come on, somebody. If you read it, you read the first messages that the apostles preached. It was about the, the covenants being fulfilled, the Abrahamic and the Davidic covenant being fulfilled in Jesus and that Jesus is Lord. That is the gospel. Jesus is Lord and he doesn't Lord like the lords of the earth. He's a, he's a humble king. He was willing to lay everything down. He was willing to shed his own blood before someone else's blood. He was willing to absorb our sin that we sinned in him and take it to the grave. Come on, somebody. And swallow up the spiritual cancer that the world was under, the curse that the world was under, the cosmos, the reign of sin and death. Jesus undid that. And in his resurrection, ascension, I feel like I'm preaching now, and enthronement, there is a new creation that we come alive in God. And the kingdom came, guess when the kingdom, I love in in the other verse that we just read, Jesus says the kingdom is in your midst. Why? Because Jesus was standing there. It's mistranslated the kingdom of God is within you. Well, the kingdom of God is within me. No, it's not. It's in your midst. It doesn't come through like it's not in a place. It's, It's not where, it's how. And the way it comes is love. Say love. Isaiah 16, 5, a new government of love. What does God's government look like? Love. What does love look like? It looks like something, and we're learning that. Amen? 
looks like the heart of the king. It looks like where Jesus manifests, where he manifests, the kingdom manifests. When you, to the degree you manifest Jesus, you are revealing the kingdom. To the degree that you reveal the heart of the king, you are revealing the, the intentions God has for the earth. He doesn't rule by sword. He doesn't rule by coercive control. He rules by peace. He rules by love. Come on. He rules by humility. He rules by forgiveness. He rules from a heart, not that wants to control. And he could if he wanted to because he's God, but he chose not to. I mean, if he wanted to, he could show up now. Jesus could come back in all of his glory. And every person that has hardness of heart and wants to hold on to their sin would hold on to their sin and, and they wouldn't like what happens to them next. And then all those, come on, somebody. And then all those that are his would be like, come on, somebody. Jesus is here, right? We'd be like, holla. But he's patient because he loves us. And his kingdom is advancing. And he's building his house because he doesn't want to return until the kingdom of God continues to uh, advance in the earth. Because love showed up when Jesus showed up. And it's been growing ever since. God is love. God showed us what, what, or Jesus showed us what God looks like. And guess what? The kingdom reign is Jesus. He said, the kingdom is in your midst. Luke chapter 17. This, when you see me, you see the kingdom. You see the domain of God, the, the dominion of God. Can you say amen? A new government of love will be established in the venerable Davidic tradition. A ruler you can depend on. Oh, come on, somebody. A ruler you can depend on. You can depend on Jesus. It doesn't matter who's in office, what policies they have. It doesn't matter what Christians are trying to vote in, this person, that person. Although I believe God wants good people in offices, we got a ruler in heaven that we can depend on. Come on. And we don't have to implement policy and try to force people to obey the law of God. It doesn't work like that anymore. It's the law of love. The, the law that we are upholding as believers in the new covenant is love one another as Jesus has loved us, including our enemies. You can't grow a church good by preaching that kind of stuff, by the way. Love your enemies. Love your enemies. Pray for those who... Pers- That's the kingdom of God. It's a government of love. And He's a ruler we can depend on. And He's not an all-controlling monster. He gives us free will and He wants us to choose Him. Why? Because love gives you a choice because He wants intimacy and relationship with you. And we are co-fellowship, co-partners with God that when we understand the heart of the King and our hearts are connected to the Kings, we manifest the kingdom because we're manifesting Jesus. So the degree that we understand love, we're manifesting Jesus and we're manifesting the kingdom as a church, as a community of saints. It's shown by what? By loving one another, by serving one another, by washing one another's feet. By living life with one another and laying our lives down for one another. This is what Jesus came to show us, revealing what God looks like, revealing what fellowship looks like, community looks like, and that is what the kingdom looks like. It's a government of love. The kingdom looks like love. The kingdom looks like Jesus. Jesus says, it's not here or there. It's not in that nation or this nation. It's not going to come through your religious law enforcement. It's not going to come through the sword zealots. And there was another group even at this time that they're all about the signs of the times, looking at the comets and the stars. This is in the first century. 
thinking the kingdom of God would come and be observable through all these signs. Jesus is like, it's not going to come that way. There are signs, there are things that happen, but the kingdom is not observable with the way you're trying to find it. The kingdom of God is in your midst. So powerful. In other words, where Jesus is manifested, like when we're worshiping together, you know the presence of the Lord manifests. What are some of the things that happen? You get happy. Righteousness, peace, and joy. You get peace. Come on, sometimes I sit in my office and someone gave me this chair and it's like, it's hard to fall, not to fall asleep in this chair because it's this huge like throne and it leans all the way back. And sometimes I'll sit in there and just rest in the presence of God. There's so much peace. Where Jesus manifests the presence of God, that's the kingdom. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. A matter of fact, one definition of sin is the culpable disruption of God's peace. We're so focused on sin, sin. What are all the sins? When you disrupt the peace of God, that's sin. The, God's order, the way he wants it. Harmony, love, people surrendered to him, surrendered to Jesus. So when I surrender to Jesus, I can manifest Jesus. So the, the kingdom of God, we read it here in Isaiah 16. Let's finish the verse. The kingdom of God is, a, is he says, a new government of love will be established. Can we get that up there? A new government of love will be established in the venerable Davidic tradition, a ruler you can depend upon. He will head this government. I love this. A ruler passionate for justice, a ruler quick to set things right. Let me just add this real quick. God's justice is his uncomprehensible love and mercy. Many would have said it's justice that the woman caught in adultery in John chapter 8 got what she deserved. It's interesting the language that we use. Well, you deserve that or you don't deserve that. or you. And, and there's this economy of exchange. Well, justice, true justice says, well, then you must be punished. Sin must be punished. The Bible doesn't say sin must be punished. The Bible says Jesus came to forgive sin. I know I just threw a wrench in your theology right there, but we've been taught things that aren't biblical. Hello? I don't know about you, but I want to know what the Scriptures reveals to me as the living Christ. Come on. We're a church that loves to go deep in the Word in the historical context so that we can become the real deal. I've been around phony. I don't like it. I don't even like when I'm phony. Come on. Ugh, ugh. Need a makeover. I don't like phony, man. I don't have time for phony. Who has time for phony? Anybody in this room? I ain't got no time for that. Say it. I ain't got no time for that. Little Sweet Brown says it just right. So he says here, put the verse back up there, David, if you would. He says here, justice. A ruler quick to set things right. God's justice is his forgiveness. In John chapter 8, the woman was caught in adultery. The law said she should be stoned. But Jesus said, I don't condemn you. Go and sin no more. Wow. I'm not going to talk about the death penalty. Because I might offend you. We're so quick to pro-death penalty. Was Jesus pro-death penalty? Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. We're we're anti-abortion, but we're pro-death penalty. If you're pro-life, then you're pro-life. 
don't let me, I'm not going to get political. I'm getting kingdom on you. I'm giving you, I'm giving you things to think about. And if we're going to be pro-life and anti-abortion, then we should give options to the 14-year-old young lady that's pregnant. Another Options, not, not abortion, but options like you can live with me and we'll love you and we'll bless you. My mom kicked me out. I don't know what to do. She says if I have this baby, then I'm not part of the family anymore. Guess what? We need some homes for teen pregnant mamas because there is no option other than life. But as the church, if we're not trying to meet the need but vote every four years, someone in office is anti-abortion, but we're doing nothing about the problem. Or we're not loving the people that are going through it and saying, listen, no, you don't, you don't have to do Listen, the, the revolution does not come through law enforcement. It comes through the, a love encounter with God. Heart to heart, person to person, life to life, making disciples of the nations. That's people. Amen. I'm so glad the anointed section is alive right now over here. I'm just giving you some things to think about. I think God wants good people in office, but our definition of justice, our definition of the kingdom, our definition of God's rulership, I think that we have, in essence, become much more loyal to a flag of a country other than the cross. Maybe we need to go back and just be loyal to Jesus as Lord because he's the king. And if I want to know the kingdom, I got to understand his heart. If I want to know his heart, I got to get rid of some preconceived ideas about what I think the kingdom is. I believe God wants, we, I, don't, I don't like abortion. I don't like these things. But let's, let's put our money where our mouth is. Let's really, let's be there. Let's be the kingdom to people. Let's serve. Let's wash feet. You know, what about the homosexual community? Like you have people on the streets that you're going to, you're, God hates you and, and you're going to burn and all this stuff. Like, really? Is that what Je- you think? That's really Jesus's heart towards those people. You think Jesus would, would tell somebody that, you know, like you can't come to church here because you're living a life of homosexuality. What about the young couple that's messed up and fornicated a few times? They shouldn't be welcome either. Hello? Does God want to change and set them free? Yes! But he ain't going to change them by you being religious. He's going to change them by us loving them for who they are and they'll become who they're supposed to be. Come on, somebody. I'm about to knock my water off the pulpit. The kingdom of God looks like Jesus. The kingdom of God is a government of love. It's not what we think. And the revolution will not be televised. One heart at a time. I don't know about you, but you can't convince someone that pro, pro-choice is wrong or right if they already think it is. But when they encounter the heart of the king, oh, destiny's inside me. A young mama that's pregnant and doesn't feel like she has options, she has no choice. She needs to be loved and encounter Jesus. And the church has failed to do that because we think the kingdom looks like something else. But the kingdom looks like Jesus. Say it. The kingdom looks like Jesus. Do I believe that we should uphold righteous laws? Yes. But our primary focus should be advancing the culture of heaven. And the government of God is a government of love. 
Two last verses. Are you ready? Are you enjoying this this morning? This is the Lord's Prayer. We're going to close in just a moment. Two last verses. Let's go to Matthew chapter 13. You're doing awesome back there, David. Matthew chapter 13, verse 31. Another story. God's kingdom is like a pine nut that a farmer plants. Next verse. It is quite small as seeds go, but in the course of its years, it grows into a huge pine tree and eagles build its nest on it. Go to the next verse. One translation says it's like a mustard seed, a tiny seed that becomes a huge tree that there's rest that even the birds can find rest. You know what that speaks of? The value that God has for everything, even creation itself. God loves his creation. We should not be trying to escape the planet and just let the earth burn up into nothing. Come on. Hello? What's the kingdom look like? The kingdom looks like redemption. And God loves his, his creation. But here's the point. Leave that verse up there. Here's the point. The first story, it's like a mustard seed that grows. It starts out small. You can barely even see it. You're not even sure what it is. But over time, it grows. Guess what? The last 2,000 years, the kingdom's been growing. That seed of love that went into the earth, his name is Jesus, has been growing. The church was persecuted. Come on, there was 120 on the day of Pentecost. And what happened? The power of the Holy Ghost came. And they exploded 3,000 in a day, 5,000 another day. More persecution. They're putting him to death. Death cannot defeat him, the seed. So they're not going to defeat the church. He said the power of hell will not prevail against it. I will build my church and I'll give him the keys to the kingdom. Come on. He's building his house and the kingdom is going forth. The early church was persecuted over and over and over, but that did not stop. Why? Because the kingdom of God's like a mustard seed. It kept growing, 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 growing. And now it's a big tree. Now, listen, the first century, about a half of a percent of the world's population was Christian. Then in about a thousand years later, about 3% of the population of the world is Christian. Then at 1900, just over a century ago, guess what? About 8% of the world's population was Christian. Now about 33% of the planet is Christian. Why? Because the kingdom was a little seed, but now it's a big old tree. Come on, somebody. It's love. Come on. It's the reign of God. And Jesus is saying, this is how you pray. Papa, reveal who you are. Let your reign come. The power of the Holy Spirit brings the reign of God. Do you see the Trinity in those things? Papa, God, reveal who you are. Jesus reveals the Father. Your kingdom come the glorious will of your kingdom. Let it come. Let it increase in the earth. Last verse, Matthew 13, 33. Another story. God's kingdom is like yeast that a woman works into the dough for dozens of loaves of barley bread and waits while the dough rises. You know that yeast is real tricky. Some of you have ever made like with real, not baking powder. Come on, somebody. It's only been around for 150 years or something. Real yeast is kind of tricky. You can't, it's just got to be in the right environment and it does its thing. It's the same thing. You can't control the kingdom of God well, because it's, it's the king's domain. You're not the king. Jesus is the king. But if you love and you get in his heart and you release who Jesus is, you're releasing the kingdom. 
And the kingdom is like leaven. It's like yeast that permeates the whole measures of dough. And it rises. It causes something to come alive. It causes life to come. It causes blessing to come. Come on. It causes freedom to come. That's what the kingdom looks like. The mustard seed is love. The leaven is love because God's government is love. And Jesus is teaching us to pray. Papa, reveal your distinctiveness so that the glorious reign of your love comes in the earth. Guess what we get to do as the church? We have the keys of the kingdom. We can release the king and release the kingdom wherever we go. Healing the sick, raising the dead, washing feet, laying our lives down, feeding the poor, take care of the orphan and the widows. Come on, somebody. Being Jesus to the world, to our community, not just voting every four years and then complaining about what the world looks like. Become the more. Don't criticize the lack. Become the more. How can we become the more? Love our neighbor. Who's our neighbor? Everybody. That's what it says in Leviticus. Love your neighbor as yourself. Well, can you please define, like the law you're asking, please define who my neighbor is. I want to know the exact legal requirement is for me to get into the kingdom of heaven. Love everybody like Jesus loves you. Your neighbor. Love your neighbor. That's how we can manifest the kingdom of God. Be, be Christians. That's it. Amen? So let's be Christians. Let's love well, and let's manifest the kingdom of God. Your reign come, Papa. Let your love reign. Transform our relationships. Transform our community. Transform Las Vegas. Transform Henderson. You know, in a couple years' time, we're going to look back, and we'll have over 1,000 church members, and we'll be planting churches, and we'll be doing things in communities that the church has never seen in this city before transforming culture by a new way. That's what Jesus came to do. Oh, man. I'm going to listen to my message this week and criticize myself. No, I'm just kidding. Transform culture with the, the holy leaven of love. It's a government of love. How can you advance the kingdom? Love like Jesus. How can you build the church, build up, edify the church? Love like Jesus. If you want to know what the kingdom looks like, you got to know the heart of the king. I'm going to close in prayer. Father, we thank you for your word. Bless every saint in this room with a revelation. I pray that some pillars of old theology was shaken. I pray that maybe some framework that needed to be knocked over was, was messed with. And I hope I, I, I messed around with your theology a little bit today because we need to ask these questions. We need to be the church that manifests Jesus. We need to be the body of Christ where truly the kingdom is in our midst. When we manifest who Jesus is, the kingdom is being revealed. It's in our midst. So may we be the church that rises up with enough uh, unction, Lord, from you and rise up with some intestinal fortitude and release what the kingdom really looks like. And we're okay, Lord, with, uh, with being persecuted because that happens, God. But there, there's a wineskin being formed. And when we pray the Lord's Prayer, we're saying, Papa, reveal who you are. Let the glorious reign of love of your kingdom come. We thank you, Lord. We thank you for that. I bless every person. Stir their hearts. Stir their hearts, God, I pray. In Jesus' mighty name.